and welcome to Chatty AF, the Anime Feminist Podcast. My name's Amelia, I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Anime Feminist, and I'm joined here today by Dee, Alexis, and Isaac. If you guys would like to introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Dee Hogan. I'm the Managing Editor at Anifem. I also run the anime blog, The Jose Next Door, and you can find me on Twitter at Jose Next Door. Uh, my name is Alexis Pratt. I'm a amateur, like, writer, and mostly just watch anime with my friends, so... That's where we all are. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> nothing, nothing super special here. Just kind of, you know, very casual anime fan. So, yeah. well, so far it sounds like we have a lot in common. Yeah, so that's great. <laughs> Isaac. Yeah, um, I'm Isaac. I am an associate features editor at Crunchyroll. I run the blog Major in a Barrel, and you can find me on Twitter at iblessall. And we are gathered here today to talk about. Oran High School Host Club. You made that sound so serious. We are gathered here today (laughs) to talk about a shoujo comedy. (laughs) I think I think Tamaki's rubbed off on me. (laughs) You're going to be very dramatic today. I just take myself extremely seriously. Well done. So this is this is going to be our next watch along series. Now watch along for anyone who's not listened to Chaddy AF before is where we watch six episodes of an anime at a time and then we get together as a group of people who have watched it before and love it and a group of new viewers two or three new people who've either not seen it before or not seen much of it before and don't really know what to expect and then every six episodes we record and we talk about what we what we think of the six episodes we've just seen what we think is likely to happen what we hope will happen and so on So it's just a way of revisiting a slightly older show with quite a fresh perspective. And I'd like Dee to explain why we chose Oran High School Host Club, because to my memory, what happened was Dee discovered I had never seen it and then instantly said, we're doing a watch along. And that was that was that as far as I could tell. But Dee, you had reasons for choosing Oran, right? I mean, that was kind of the gist of it. Um, we <laughs> Well, when uh, when Dame Pri came out uh, during the winter season, uh, you watched the first few episodes and really liked it. And it just kind of came up in conversation. I was like, yeah, it's kind of like Oran, but for Otome games specifically, instead of for like shoujo manga. And I was like, you've seen Oran, right? And you said no. And I there was a very dramatic gasp on my end. And I decided that <laughs> we needed to do this right away. I think I think there are good reasons to to have it as a watch along other than just I want Amelia to watch this show um, and I want an excuse to rewatch <laughs> it. It is arguably the most popular shoujo series in the West that isn't named Sailor Moon. Um, so it certainly has um, a large fan base and a large effect, I think, on a lot of anime fans. I also think it talks about uh, both the genre tropes and gender norms in ways that make it a really good uh, candidate for an extended discussion, uh, both in terms of things that we can talk about that it does well and things that it maybe doesn't do so great. So so can you can you give a bit of detail, Dee, on like the history of Oran High School Host Club? Because I... My memory of it is just that it showed up out of nowhere one day and was really popular, but there's a bit more to it um, than that. Yeah, yeah, I can give you some background details here. Um, so the manga was first published in the shoujo magazine Lala in the year 2002. It is by uh, Bisco Hattori, whose other two series, Millennium Snow and Behind the Scenes, are also both available in English. And then the anime, uh, and then Shoujo Beat published it pretty quickly in English as well, uh, or on high, and it was fairly popular. The anime is produced by Bones, and it ran during the spring and summer of 2006. The anime has a very good pedigree, and I'm, there are probably going to be people who are angry at me for saying this, but I think it's better than the manga. It's... it's uh, <laughs> The hot take start yeah, here. <laughs> it's helmed by... Uh, Igarashi Takuya, who is the director, and the series composer is uh, Enokido Yoji. 
Um, these are, uh, you know, just small time uh, directors and writers who have worked on such minor series as Sailor Moon, Revolutionary Girl, Utena, uh, Soul Eater. Um, they've also done Star Driver, which is a personal favorite of mine. And most recently they worked together on Bungo Stray Dogs. Uh, the two of them tend to work in tandem. Igarashi has a very, what's a good word for it? He has a very energetic aesthetic, I think, that brings out kind of the charm and endearing qualities of his characters very well. And he also uh, pulls from the same school of directing that like Ikuhara does in some ways with his um, aesthetics and visual direction, which makes his productions very, uh, very exciting to watch, I think. It was then licensed very quickly by Funimation, even though this was kind of during the like anime dark ages in the mid 2000s. And it is currently streaming on both Crunchyroll and Funimation. So check to see if it's available in your region, of course. And again, it became kind of a mainstream, it became as close to a mainstream hit as you can get, I think, um, which I always found very impressive. I'm honestly shocked I found three whole anime fans over the age of 25 who haven't seen it. So this is very exciting. <laughs> that was the first thing that came up when we started talking about doing it as a watch along. Dee was like, well, of course, we won't possibly find anyone but Amelia who's not seen it. And then I remembered oh. <laughs> Isaac. And then Caitlin told us, she was like, she was like, I have a friend who hasn't seen it either. So we were able to find some folks, which is we were good. We're actually turning people away for this one. <laughs> I came to anime very late in life, um, besides some very you know, very normal, uh, like, shonen stuff when I was in high school. So it's a lot of discovery lately. Caitlin's been taking me through a lot of stuff, and then this came up. So, hey. That's, that's awesome. Perfect, perfect excuse. We're really pleased to have yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, so the thing about Oron is, is very much um, a response to a subgenre um, that had been sort of on the rise over the the 10 odd years before Oron came out. Um, Otome Games first started coming out in 1994, and you had a lot of popular franchises um, launching in the late 90s and the early 2000s. Um, things like Angelique, Harutoki, uh, Toki Meki Memorial, which actually gets a nod in these episodes as Ukidoki Memorial. And, and then on the on the manga side, you also had reverse harems, which are you know kind of similar format to an Otome game. Um, that were also becoming more and more popular. Uh, Shigi Yugi um, in 1992, I think, really popularized the genre. And then you had things like Hanakimi, The Wallflower, lots of other titles. Um, so you basically had an entire, more, most of a decade of all this material in this subgenre. And over that time, you had these different narrative conventions and tropes and character archetypes that had been really solidified. And so Oran sort of comes into this period of time after you're starting to see these very set patterns and Oron is very much addressing that and commenting on it um, in the way that a good parody I think does. And so that's something I find really interesting about it and will probably kind of keep jumping us back to from time to time. But I think it's, I think it's good to know where it's coming from um, because so much of what it is doing is playing with these tropes that existed before it. That's good. And I'm really glad we've got your kind of awareness of that whole genre or subgenre because there are certainly times when I'm going to be raising my eyebrows and saying, why is this here? This doesn't feel mm -hmm. right. And you'll say, no, it's it's just a natural, like it's calling back to something that has been referenced. So yeah, very glad to have that kind of knowledge underpinning mm -hmm. this. Thank you for doing this, Dee. Oh yeah. <laughs> I couldn't, uh, Dee, I couldn't help but notice though when you're doing the Yurashi and Okido list that you've skipped Captain Earth. 
I was there a reason for that? Uh, it's the <laughs> only one of his shows. Besides the fact that it's bad. I don't. Well, I've, yeah, it's the only one of his shows I've never been able to finish. Um, oh, so well, I just that's kinda, completely fair. <laughs> I just kind of went, let's just ignore that one. I, I apologize for bringing it up then. Oh, no, it's okay. Because that's that's why you watched that's why you watched a little bit of Oran before, right, Isaac? Because of Igarashi? Um, yeah. So, oh, so I watched it. I started Oran right after I had seen Star Driver. Um, which uh, Dee mentioned earlier, which is also a favorite of mine. And I was just really in the mood for more of his his and Enokido's style and the way they're writing. And people have been recommending Oran to me for, I mean, a long, a long time. Like, sort of like Alexis, I kind of came into anime a little bit late and I started... I kind of started with simulcasts, and so I've been like going back for years and like watching older, popular stuff. And in that time, you know, I I don't I couldn't tell you the number of times people said, "Oh, have you seen Oran?" And I'd be like, "No," and they're like, "What? You haven't seen Oran?" <laughs> and I'd be like, "No," and they're like, "Well, you would totally like it." So I'm glad to have this opportunity to kind of come back to it and um, and really watch it in earnest because I did see the first four episodes after Star Driver, but then got distracted by like other giant robot anime or something like that. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I had a similar experience for entirely different reasons. Um, I started watching it um, I, as an anime fan. I had a big gap of about 10 years, which is not not that unusual, but I actually stopped watching anime around 2006, which is when the anime came mm-hmm. out. Um, So I watched a handful of episodes back then through fairly illicit means because that was kind of the only option you had at the time. But I lost, I kind of stepped away from anime as a whole and I didn't go any further with it. And then 10 years later, suddenly it's an anime that everyone's seen. And much like you, Isaac, I've had people recommending it to me as soon as they find out I haven't seen (laughs) it. It's like, what? How can you? It's just part of the the kind of canon that you're expected to have consumed, especially if you work as a critic. Mm -hmm. So to not have seen it has felt like a gap and I remembered enjoying it well enough but these kinds of um, over the top comedies are very hit and miss for me so I didn't particularly have a reason to go back to it Um, and I've been really pleasantly surprised so looking forward to talking about that but first of all Alexis you said that you're quite a recent or you've come to anime quite late in life and you've you're going through this for the first time yeah Um, but do you have any of the kind of did you have the same kind of context as Isaac and I, where people were recommending it to you a lot, or did you kind of come to it a different way? It never really came up until recently when, oh god, what did it come up because of? I think we were discussing Danganronpa, of all things. I've been, like, catching Caitlin? up. That's Caitlin. very out of character. I know, that's very out of character for Caitlin. <laughs> um, we'd been talking about it, and she made a reference to it, I think, and I was like, I have no idea what you just said, and she looked at me like I had three heads and that was it. She's just like, no, you need to watch this. And then a week later... I know later, exactly the look you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> and then a week later, she's like, hey, uh, Anifem's doing a thing. You want to get in? So, here I am. Oh, that was really good timing. It was weirdly, like, impossibly good timing. And now here I am. I've gotten six episodes in. So you you know nothing about it then other than... You just went in completely cold or did you do any reading? I, so... I've seen very little of it, namely, I've seen reaction images taken from stills of the anime, obviously, which, you know, everybody sees those kind of things, but other than that, no, like, I was warned ahead of time about some of the gendered language used later on, and that wasn't necessarily a surprise, it's from 2006, 
But mm-hmm. other than that, I went in completely cold. Perfect. And D, mm-hmm. <laughs> what's what's your background with Oran High School Host Club? Well, you've got two minutes. Okay, well, I actually, I picked up, so Shoujo Beat brought, was bringing the manga out a little bit before the anime, and I had a friend recommend it to me. So I had read, I think, maybe the first couple volumes of it, um, and I was enjoying it. And then I found out there was an anime. Uh, so I tracked down the anime through those illicit means that you mentioned because the year was 2006 and Crunchyroll uh, yeah. was was nary a twinkle in anyone's eye at that point. Um, but I did eventually buy the DVD, so it's all good. Um, but my roommate and I watched it pretty quick after it had come out. Um, so like probably early 2007. Uh, we fell in love with it, and then we just started showing it to everyone we knew. Um, I had a bunch of anime friends growing up. I forced them to watch it in our anime club. I um, kept it with the manga and finished that. I eventually bought the anime. Um, the anime is one of my top ten all-time favorite anime. Like, it's on that list easily. One of my top five favorite comedies. Uh, there are episodes that I've seen at least a dozen times because it was for a long time and still kind of is. Uh, parts of it are sort of my go-to show when I'm having a bad day and I just want to put on an episode of something and just giggle. So I love Oron a lot. I know it's not perfect and there's a few episodes that I genuinely dislike, but overall it it's just very warm and it makes me happy. Yeah, I was really surprised actually by how how warm it does feel because I, I didn't really remember much of it. Um but what I did remember is it's host clubs and it's rich kids and it's like I, I remembered it having the potential to be quite mean mm-hmm. and there's just not that's not really there which I mean apart from moments with Tamaki but he's such a clown that <laughs> I think it doesn't come across as, as sort of malicious I think Oran does a very smart job in pretty much from the from that from episode one of establishing that Tamaki and most of the other hosts are idiots and Haruhi is kind of our moral mm-hmm. center so when they're being ridiculous, we're supposed to just laugh at them and not take them seriously. And then you kind of look to Haruhi to see like what we as an audience are maybe supposed to actually take out of things. So, you know, Haruhi complaining about the damn rich people disconnected from reality um, or how they get way too hung up on gender norms and things like that. I think that and again, we can and there's some stuff in there that's worth criticism. But I think um, because the show does establish so early that these are the clowns, like you said, um, it makes mm-hmm. it a lot. It makes it feel a lot warmer and and nicer um, about some of the some of the genre antics they get into. Yeah, one of the other things that I noticed is like, last time I saw it, I was in the middle of a Japanese degree. I'd never been to Japan. I was quite you know all of this was new. I couldn't understand Japanese at that point, except little bits and pieces. Whereas now I'm watching it as a Japanese speaker, as somebody who's been to Japan, as somebody who's a lot more familiar with. Um, with anime in general from a critical perspective and the idea of rich kids finding host clubs as aspirational is so weird to me now (laughs) because host clubs are really not they're not a pleasant thing Mm. um well i mean i've never been to one because i (laughs) can you imagine some guy trying to charm me in a bar like it doesn't (laughs) it doesn't go down well um but it's something that i have had friends who've studied host clubs i've had friends who've been a fan of fans of going to host clubs I've heard the stories I've seen the pictures it's it's not something that you would expect rich kids to kind of set up a club with kind of this romanticized aspirational perspective and maybe aspirational is not the quite quite the right word but aspira- uh, romanticized certainly is my understanding is that the biggest market for host clubs is actually sex workers they finish their shift and they go somewhere where they don't have to put on a face and be performative themselves and so it's quite 
it's quite a gritty world is my understanding and there are documentaries out there of the things that the hosts have to do to try and get people to keep drinking alcohol which is how the bars make their money it's it's quite an unpleasant underbelly and you've got these rich kids in a school that has big ben in the middle of it for some reason a pink tower big ben tower um which is very bizarre and as an english person watching it and they've got that one moment where they talk about the antiques markets in london and it's just it's so strange to have these things kind of mashed together and something else that kind of bothered me a little bit is that um just kind of baked into the premise is that every week they're doing kind of a new a new setup to please their clients and this goes kind of cultural appropriation directions more often than i would like um you see them dressing up as like arabian kings and things like that and that yeah that i didn't enjoy that aspect of it very much I don't know, did anyone else? Yeah, they jumped into it immediately on episode two with the... Oh, I showed Tamaki a Balinese, like, travel brochure, and now yeah. here we are. Yeah. We just spent, like, 500,000 yen on a bunch of plants and this crazy costume, and we... Live toucans and pythons. Yeah! Like, man. I mean, I guess it's in keeping, because these are rich, sheltered children, yeah. and of course, like, the idea of cultural appropriation wouldn't have even occurred to them. It didn't occur to a lot of people in 2006, especially. Oh, no. But it's... <laughs> Watching it in 2018 as somebody who's quite conscious of these things was actually a little bit... Had had a few moments where I was like, oh no, please don't do this again. Because <laughs> they, yeah, they have this kind of Polynesian thing in episode two. And then in episode, what, five, six, I think it is, they, they go and make him an Arabian king. Yeah, it was six. They do the whole... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The host club lot. is very is very equal opportunity... Uh, appropriate uh culturally insensitive costumes um so <laughs> that will be a, a thing that will probably continue to ping for you um they do they they'll um in later episodes they'll do some uh, more japanese themed ones too not that that makes it better but yeah i mean that's just them them doing these these crazy fantastical themes um based on different and it's stories not, and cultures it, and histories is is a recurring thing yeah and it's not necessarily a criticism because again these are very privileged young uh <laughs> young rich kids like they this is exactly what i would expect kind of publicly educated kids in in england to do quite honestly um sorry public education like eton or something like that like extremely elite mm-hmm. yeah yeah um, so like that that is what i would expect of rich kids anywhere is to have that kind of insensitivity so it's it's not that it doesn't work and it's not that it's kind of a deal breaker it just yeah you just notice it i think yeah i think it's i think it's through this lens yeah it's not something i think i ever necessarily picked up on because again it just struck me as these these goofball high school kids um watching around this time around is going to be uh, kind of fun because I've never I've always just watched it to laugh and I've never really like looked at it from a, through a critical perspective so um, this is oh no I'm so no, sorry no 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 it's good this is good <laughs> I like doing stuff like this this is this is a good this is a good I'm already picking up on things that I hadn't before so I think that's great um, I think that is totally a fair criticism too though because I think there are times in the show where the characters are are being ridiculous and somebody calls them out on it and so you know that the writer is aware of it and is letting us know like yeah no this isn't really okay or this is silly or whatever um and that like Haruhi thinks it's extravagant but the cultural appropriation aspect is never really touched on so I think that's totally a fair criticism that um it's ridiculous but not not properly addressed in the show itself well and it all ties into the I 
Yeah, well, when you were saying saying earlier, like they're all idiots. Uh, to me, it's like they're idiots, but they're not just idiots. They're also they're rich idiots specifically. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know how Utena has their their like little refrains that they do that the like little speeches that characters give over and over again. And the one that Oron has is the little monologue that Tamaki does at the beginning of most of the episodes where he's like, you know, talking about introducing the host coven being like, look, this is like the this is like a super luxury place for the super rich kids where they come to hang out and have fun. And he like brings up the topic of wealth in relation to this multiple times. And he call and it's a it's a playground. And so um, that's the word they used to describe it. And so, you know, when you're talking about cultural appropriation and everything that they do is like contextualized inside this little bubble of like for them it's all just you know this game that they're playing because because they're bored basically they're a bunch of bored rich idiots um and this is what they're (laughs) doing to doing to have fun Mm -hmm. yeah that's a really good way of putting it i think there's i think there's an an aspect of because like amelia you pointed out that this is very different from a regular host from like what what host clubs in the real world are like um, yes. And a part of me thinks that kind of what Hattori was more interested in here was using the host club as an excuse to really call out, maybe call out's not quite the right word, but to really highlight the artifice of a lot of the archetypes that were present in these reverse harem stories. Um, so with the host club, you have like, it's just doing away with the idea that any of this is grounded in reality. It's like, no, this is a fantasy. This is a, a fantasy universe that, everyone is aware as a fantasy universe and they're all sort of just taking part in this big game. Um, so, you know, all the characters have their, have their roles and their types that get brought up on the regular and everyone seems to be aware of it. Like the students who come in know about it and the hosts, obviously, again, they're all very aware of like that. They're taking maybe some characteristics, characteristics that are a part of themselves, but are then sort of exaggerating it for this, for this game they're playing. Um, that is sort of making these girls happy. And I think in some ways that's sort of a commentary on the reverse harem subgenre as a whole. And what I like about it is that it calls out the fact that a lot of this is bullshit, but it doesn't really judge anyone for enjoying that. It's like, yeah, this is a fantasy, yeah. but it's it's an escape. It's something fun that, that these girls are enjoying and everybody's aware that it's just this fun thing that they're enjoying. Um, and so I like that it, I like that it, I think it. I think there's some stuff done in some of the later episodes that we can kind of talk about as we go, where it draws a line between the fantasy and maybe bringing that too close, too close to the real world. Um, but I don't think it judges people for in, wanting to indulge in a little fantasy, and I kind of appreciate that about it. See, yeah. I I struggled with that a little bit because I mean, the okay, so the biggest issue that I think I have with Oran, like the biggest thing that I kind of wince at when I see mm-hmm. it, is the twins. Mm. Hmm. And watching watching the girls watch the twins, it just every time I see it, it brings up everything I've ever read about how women fetishize gay relationships through BL. And it's, <laughs> I mean, I'm just too immersed in kind of that commentary, I think, to really kind of not take it seriously when I see it on screen. And I'm like, oh no, is watching this? I know it feels quite uncomfortable. To me to to watch these i mean for a start they're brothers and that's already a bit um <laughs> didn't enjoy that but then they like there's so the, the episode i really didn't like very much was the health check episode mm-hmm. where you've got these these kind of girls just standing as an audience to see these boys take their shirts off and like oh, i don't like seeing 
any anime characters take their shirts off in these kinds of situations. I'm just not interested. So having that as kind of the center point of of that joke and having it be the twins and having them be talking about playing doctor at home and having this whole bank of girls just standing and watching with blushes and oh thank goodness we get to see them touch each other shirtless it was all a bit much but yeah i, I mean i'm fairly hardline about this kind of thing anyway so that was that's the only thing that i really didn't enjoy um alexis how was it for you you've been a little bit quiet so far so here's the thing I really like the twins as characters when they aren't mm-hmm. playing to the, oh, but we're brothers. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Because the episode that was focused on them was actually hilarious. And I also really enjoyed uh, Haruhi seeing straight through them like every time. And just, uh, I really enjoy them when they aren't being awful characters of BL romance. <laughs> there was that beautiful moment at the end of, at the end of the twins episode where how do he sees through them again, even though they've changed their hair dye? Mm-hmm. They swap their hair yeah. dye. She sees through them again and she walks away and one of them just looks at the other one. The, Kauru, that's the thing. He, just... he, I, that, is, that is one of the best, it's such a good moment of visual storytelling where Hikaru is looking straight yes. at Haruhi and Kaoru is the only one who glances to look at his to look at his brother and then, and then glances back again and kind of realizes that things are changing. Sorry, what were yeah. you gonna say? I, <laughs> I just really like a lot of the way this anime is shot in general. Mm-hmm. Just yes, the there's so much going on on most shots, like in a way that you don't see in a like. If I imagine this anime in 2018, I don't think it would be nearly as flamboyant or crazy. Like maybe that's just because I've been watching Persona Five the anime, and that's been <laughs> kind of just standing there and casting spells or talking. It's hard for me to imagine it coming out like now and looking like it does. You might like Dame Pri Anime Caravan. I might recommend. <laughs> well, I would say I would say check out maybe some of Igarashi's other works because that that very visually dynamic, uh, energetic style is is something that he's that's big for him is to keep the movement and to tell the story as much through you know what's going on on screen both both in terms of like you know the big foreground actions as well as like you know the way characters are reacting in the backgrounds and things like that um i mean he's yeah. he's just a, he's a really good director so that's certainly part of it too i think okay the comedy the comedy is so strong and the aesthetic yeah. is also so strong like isaac i think you mentioned Dutena, and that was my first thought when i started watching the first episode with the the huge over the top kind of imagery and it it completely rang that Utena bell for me but obviously that's kind of the only thing that's really Utena like but at the same time the comic timing is spot on the voice actors like they're perfect and it's it was surprising to me that they also had this really quiet moment at the end of the twins episode where as you say the storytelling was just no perfect but it was really subtle and to have all of that in a single show and a comedy show as well i was not expecting that at all in the thing that was really interesting to that to me about that episode the twins episode is though it starts off with you know them on the bench together like mm-hmm. holding hands and talking to this girl and when i saw them on the bench i thought oh i've seen this episode or this like beat character t- storytelling beat before but it's always been with like female characters like how many times have i seen in an anime where it's like two sisters or something against the world and i mean i was reading like a young adult um uh fantasy novel recently and it was the same thing it was like two twins and it's like these two girls against the world 
And I mean, I think some of this just comes from, you know, being in this particular this particular genre. But I, I was like, oh, I've seen this, but it's with boys. What are they going to do with it? That's that's different. Um, and I don't I actually I don't know. I think, you know, in terms of like the general emotional arc, it's very it's similar to things I've seen before. But um, oh, dang it, I lost my train of thought. But it was just interesting to me that it went it like started serious and then with this framing device and then went really silly. And I'll be honest, I wasn't a huge fan of all the in-between stuff, like the fight. But again, that final moment, that shot where um, one of them looks at the other, and then back at Haruhi, is like really is really stunning because it adds so much more weight to the re- everything that's come before. Yeah, getting to see someone like because they're both played for comedy the whole time in every other episode, seeing them have an emotional, like serious moment was actually incredibly effective and. I, I think we mentioned it before, but I do appreciate that the show can do both. Yeah, kind of um, just going back to that, that opening scene with uh, the flashback of them on the bench, which, by the way, is so well storyboarded. Um, it's a bunch of uh, shots of them like in mirror parallels, like both sides of the image, perfect symmetry. And then the little girl shows up and suddenly the camera is tilted and from a distance and, oh, it's so good. Sorry. <laughs> Sometimes I get excited about framing. Um, but the one thing I really like about that episode is it, comes the timing's very good because it comes right off the heels of the Renge episode where you've got this character who shows up who doesn't really see that line between reality and fantasy and is sort of trying to impose all these archetypes onto these onto these actual I mean quote unquote actual people. Um, and Haruhi sort of <laughs> and Haruhi sort of sort of snaps at her about like, you know, you should probably not judge people by appearances. You should take the time to get to know them. And then the next episode with the twins, we really see that in action with the way Haruhi can tell them apart because she's spent time actually getting to know them as people. Um, and I think that opening scene does a good job of establishing um, again, I keep coming back to this this balance between like the artifice and the sincere, um, where you see how the twins growing up, people continued kept seeing them as a single unit. And it was clearly something that bothered them when they were young, because they sort of challenged her, like, well, no, which of us do you actually want to spend time with? Like, do you have any idea that there's a difference between the two of us? Um, But then now that they've gotten into high school, they've sort of taken these insecurities they had and kind of made them a part of their whole sort of of persona, like the thing that makes them stand out, Um, which I thought was very true to adolescence and how you can sort of sometimes take these things that bother you and then be like, no, 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 this is my identity now but also the way the show kind of plays with that and how uh, maybe that's not super healthy and they need to start moving away from that outside of their roles in the host club. So I thought that, I think that episode's really good. There's another episode I want to talk about. Mm -hmm. We're we're getting through so much. It's really great. I'm conscious of time. Um, There's the the episode with the young boy. Episode six. six, Shiro. Shiro Takauji. So, yeah. And this is the other kind of, issue that I have with the core premise of Oran, it's not the premise exactly, but like the characters that we're going to see this again and again. So we've got Honey, who looks like a literal child. I mean, he is a literal child, but he really looks like a literal child. And he, the, the reason that the girls come to the host club, for everyone else, it seems to be because they are attracted to these boys. And with Honey, it's something a bit different, but it's all kept in the same kind of category. And that's that's a little bit uncomfortable anyway and then you've got this little boy who shows up um and while uh while tamaki is kind of showing him what he does so that he can learn how to please women um 
he he meant he makes this comment about love knows no age it's fine if he's a young boy you turn me into a young boy when i look at you and it's i don't know that seems to be something that oran's quite comfortable with that that idea that uh just having these young boys there as a point of appeal as a point of attraction even if it's not kind of dressed up as sexual attraction exactly i don't know there was something about that that just i think that's going to bother me a bit in future weeks as well yeah i agree and especially with the way that episode ends where he's literally surrounded by women talking about oh his long distance (sighs) girlfriend that they email about every night while they all just fawn over him was oh my god the show is great but it's also a lot <laughs> and I don't, sh- I don't yeah. like it when people do that in real world when they're like, oh, does you know, does your one-year-old baby have a girlfriend? Like all yeah. of that. I don't like any of that in real life. So kind of seeing that played up a little bit for laughs in in this. Like I just didn't find that beat funny at all. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if we're gonna kind of dig deeper into that ground with honey or whether we're gonna as we did with the twins we got to see a bit past the twins and as you said d we kind of got to see a bit of the reason of why they've ended up kind of leaning into this thing that perhaps they've been uncomfortable with in the past and leaning into it as part of their high school persona maybe we'll see a bit more of that with honey i have no idea i i really hope we do because unlike the surface i enjoy honey just being like adorable yeah just he's a cute (laughs) presence that balances out the like ridiculousness of tamaki and the like low-key homoeroticism of the twins and whatever's going on with mori the tall silent guy who's had maybe five lines (laughs) so far (laughs) he works as a good foil and i really hope they do something with him because i want to enjoy him yeah, I, Maury's at this point is just a non-entity, right? He's just yeah. he's just there for for um, Honey to climb on and kind of to to stop him and to call him by his first name, which is obviously, um, which yeah. is obviously something people like to see. But then I'm just kind of keeping in mind that Tamaki in um, in the health check episode, he kind of describes all the rest of them as the homo homo supporting cast. Ugh. Which yeah. <laughs> doesn't look so good in 2018. I'm sure it didn't look that great in 2006 either. Um, mm, but no. it's it's by him saying that about all of them, that that was kind of an an oh dear moment for me because yeah okay the twins are playing this up. Honey and Mori, they're not they don't seem to be. But is that what's intended to be read into it? When like is is that how Tamaki sees it that they've kind of paired off? That doesn't seem to work because Kyoya seems to be there on his own. Or if anything, Kyoya and Tamaki play off each other. Mom and dad. As this kind of (laughs) mother-father thing. And also at the beginning, like when they're talking about the health check and there's an image of them standing shirtless saying, oh, maybe this is the year my height finally overtakes yours or something. And it's like, I don't know. It just, the homo thing in general, that is a line that comes up again and again and is a bit awkward. And Okama comes up mm-hmm. as well, which they yeah. translate as a queer, which is delightful. Um, could be worse, as we know from Hunter Hunter. Could be worse, but... Yeah, no, the... But uh, to go back to the... Yeah, the stuff with the, the twin set stuff, the Shotokan stuff, it is not uh, super duper comfortable. It's one of those things I can kind of just brush aside because I know that the I know what the writer was doing was to take these these unfortunately pretty popular uh, tropes within the genre and to 
kind of hold them up to a light and go, hey guys, this is weird. See, Haruhi thinks this is weird, so maybe we should not. Um, but I don't. I think because the show's first goal is to be a comedy that it, it does not dig into that the way that it should. Um, so I, I think it's totally fair to be to be um, uncomfortable with that, definitely. To me, that's it's kind of the whole comedy like and then problematic stuff is like sort of how I I feel like is a good way to describe the whole show because I feel like it's these like a lot of these like nice nice things that it does and funny things that it does that kind of rest on this really troublesome bedrock and it's just like any time yeah so it's it's like I feel like I'm in a constant state of ambivalence of like oh I like the way that this thing happens on the kind of superficial surface level and then as soon as you start thinking about it any more any more than that then I start to be like okay this is actually like much more much more troubling to me for me the like biggest example of that is tamaki and the way that he treats haruhi and Mm -hmm. because there's i feel like there's a really sort of like genuine feeling that i get from him and the way that he feels about haruhi and wants to like care for her and you know keep her keep her around keep her as part of their like little in-group but then at the same time you know he's always talking about like oh it'd be so much better if you were in like this cute dress or you know if you made friends with the girls and it went off and did girly things um and so i yeah go ahead when they literally dress Haruhi up as a like in a middle school dress and miniskirt for the six episodes so they can sneak in and then everyone else walks in behind her like oh yeah Yeah. we just did this for fun there's a and there's a like leg shot in there too that's right before they come in which like shocked me because i was not expecting that at all they were like they lingered on that miniskirt shot because they're like oh man look at that which is a shame because Haruhi herself and I'm using she, her pronouns, but Haruhi doesn't seem to really care about gender. Oh, God, no. Like, and for... that was so refreshing. I'd forgotten how they handled that. And it's, I think it's done so well. And I think that is still to this day, that does hold up. Oh, I absolutely agree. Like, watching this with no context, I absolutely adore Haruhi. And just the instant, like, oh, I'll just use Ori now at the end of the first episode was... Yeah like shocking and incredible in a way that i never expected and she sustains that like i don't know should should i be using she her pronouns should i be using they them (sighs) i hear okay um and i'm speaking obviously from the perspective of someone who's seen the whole anime and read the whole manga um i think i think Mm -hmm. she her is fine i think haruhi is the kind of person who if you used a different pronoun on her wouldn't care but I think if she had to pick, because she generally comes back to sort of, I mean, again, and this is in itself inherently problematic, but at the beginning when they're like, are you a girl? She's like, yeah, biologically, um, which I think is kind of yes. where she stands. It's like, well, I was assigned female at birth and I don't really care. So that's fine. That's what I've been going by my whole life, which, again, I, I, there is there is an inherent problem to the concept of. Bio- anyway, you guys know biological gender. Yeah. But I, to me, Haruhi, uh, she kind of continues to come back to, oh, they'll find out I'm a girl. Oh, I'm actually a girl. Like she seems okay with that concept. Um, she just doesn't really care if she presents as a different gender. Um, so I th- don't think she would mind what whatever pronoun you used on her. Um, and some people, I mean, that's uh, some agender folks. Uh, it's you, it's there's the sense of not having a strong sense of gender one way or the other, which uh, I can kind of relate to, to be honest. Um, same, uh, which same. Yeah, 
Um, so it's, and so it's not like, I wouldn't, I think I'd be really hesitant to say Haruhi is trans because I don't think she has a strong enough sense of being a gender other than the one she was assigned at birth. But I think that you could probably make an argument right. for her being a gender, just in the sense that she's much more focused on being seen as Haruhi than being seen as, um, than being perceived as any particular gender. Yeah. Does that sound okay to you guys? Did I, did that sound much. okay? Like, yes. I want to make sure no, I'm not. that absolutely not, tracks. Okay. And this is something that we would we would definitely like people to tell us for how they related to Haruhi, how they feel that she presents, how they kind of connect to her character. Like, if you feel that that she would prefer they them, like, let us know. Like, this is something we're completely open to discussing and would love to come back to. I think. So, especially if you are a, a viewer who is not cisgender who ha feels a particular connection to Haruhi, let us know. Like, we want to talk about. Yeah, this. absolutely. Like we don't want nothing in this discussion is supposed to be prescriptive so just because the the anime feminist podcast said it like therefore it is so like absolutely yeah not, i'm not, that is not i'm not trying to like write anything in in canonical no. stone here i'm just saying that kind of from exactly. my perspective as someone who's who's been involved in the in the franchise for a bit um that's sort of the read i get on her um, I think you can definitely I mean, say it, she's gender non-conforming too, because she is. She doesn't seem particularly into dresses. Like she doesn't hate them, but she gets her reaction to them dressing her up and putting her in high heels and makeup was one of the flawless. more relatable. It was beautiful. <laughs> it was like the most relatable moment. It's one, every. I I tweeted out a like a joke tweet that said if I tweet if I tweeted it me with a screenshot of Haruhi every time she did something that I was like oh yeah. Uh, you guys would block me because I'd be spamming your Twitter feeds. Um, but yeah, they're like, you look so cute. And she's like, I don't care that I look cute. It's really hard to walk in these shoes and my face feels weird. I'm like, yeah, I get that. Yeah, your your view of her definitely, it rings true with what we've seen so far. So absent any kind of contradicting evidence as we go, I think let's, if you want to use she, her, use she, her. If you want to use they, them, use they, them. We encourage conversation and comments and like response on social media. Um, but that's that's how we'll approach yeah, it. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that it completely rings true because then when she has the health check come up and she's just like, oh yeah, they'll discover I'm a girl. Like she doesn't seem particularly she's, bothered by that. She's more worried about the 8 million yen she owes than like yeah, everyone exactly. like saying something different to her, which is, you know, it is what it is. It's, um, it's an interesting reaction and mm -hmm. it says a lot about what she cares about as herself and the commoner thing that they lean into oh, like i find man. it hilarious but also as as an english person like is this obviously so taken from kind of english high society aristocracy that kind of thing like it's and you know we got a royal family got that royal baby all of that like it's it's really strange to watch because it, I've got such a chip on my shoulder about class mm -hmm. here. I am squarely like lower middle class. Like, that's oh, how yeah. I grew up. Um, but it's like, I've met people like that <laughs> and it's always really uncomfortable. So seeing that on screen as comedy, like it is funny because we're kind of positioned with Haruhi and kind of laughing at the ridiculousness. Mm -hmm. So it's totally fine, um, but it's, it's it's really again it's just really strange seeing this mashup of kind of this english aristocracy inspired upper class and also kind of contemporary japanese school and also like host culture which is not what you would expect from this series at all although host culture gets romanticized a lot in japanese pop culture as a mm -hmm. whole 
the idea of hosts being the one who heal women's hearts, etc. Like that's that's not new. That's not unique to Oran. So let's let's just talk for a few minutes about where we want to see it go from here. Isaac, you you had some thoughts on this. Yeah. Well, Next six episodes. So yeah, I guess I was kind of I sort of talked about this a little bit, but with the like layering of like problematic things on top of comedy. And I guess especially for the like class stuff that we were just talking about, I I do sort of feel like because a lot of the like especially direct rebukes like Haruhi's Haruhi's like damn these rich people and whatnot, because a lot of that is presented as comedy, to me the, it it lacks some some bite some critical bite um, because it's like oh haha these like dumb rich kids like. They've never seen instant coffee before, which, and you know, as a fish out of water thing, I do find, I like, I think that's, it is, it is really funny. Um, but at the same time with how like in your face and kind of abrasively rich, a lot of the stuff that the host club does is I would, I would like to see, I would like to see them, you know, bring something that's a, have a little more bite than just these kind of one-off quips, which of course we've got a lot of the show to go still before, um, so it certainly has time to do that. And then um, the other the other thing I think that I would really like to see um, is eventually because uh, I mean I'm again I'm like torn here. So I like I I don't I can't decide if I think Haruhi or Tamaki is cuter, and <laughs> because they're both so cute, like I'm like kind of invested in in this like little like ship dynamic one way like one-way love from Tamaki to Haruhi but at the same time like I was like I said earlier like the way that he treats her a lot of the time when he's not being like genuine and kind and just like overall a good person um which I think it it's been hinted at that that's kind of like the core of who he is there's still all this like artifice and these expectations he imposes on her um and I really like to see this show challenge and force him to change the way that he the way that he treats her and treat treat her more in accordance with kind of how she wants him to treat her um, versus all these expectations and I think you know given what's what we've seen in the show so far I think there's a chance that that'll happen probably hopefully because other characters have been kind of more seriously rebuffed by the show for you know treating people like their stereotypes or like their vision i think episode four does that really strongly with renge Mm -hmm. because it's real it's very much like okay we're gonna put you all into your little boxes and then it's like no this is not how people are but then at the same time like at the end you've got like tamaki at the end of that episode doing the exact opposite of that episode's lesson for renge so i'm like okay so when is he going to um change that so i can like be it you know like so i can like have my ship but like be happy about it you know (laughs) (laughs) that's not a requirement (laughs) yeah i want to i want to have my cake and eat it too basically is what i'm saying and it's (laughs) the show so far is stopping me from doing that we've not talked about how it it handles romance and shipping which for for a show about a host club we probably should have discussed that um the there was this moment at the end of episode six where um what is it how do he says it's like so is is this the same as as you because shiro's shiro's like completely in love with this girl who is also like 10 and he's what is it they, they've given him this advice about having a wholehearted love and how do he kind of says to tamaki oh is he like you in this way too is do you feel kind of a wholehearted love 
Was that right? And Tamaki's like, yes, absolutely. That's exactly what I'm like. And he says it completely sincerely. Mm-hmm. And Haruhi looks at him for a moment. And it felt like if we were going to get a ship, like a two-way ship, that was the moment for it. When Haruhi looks at him and she doesn't blush, she doesn't kind of look thoughtful or anything. She just smiles and says, oh, really? Or something like that. And it's just a really kind of casual response that kind of read to me as if she's she's thinking, oh, that's actually really nice, but not in terms of this is now somebody who is attractive to right. me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and she has a number of moments like that throughout these yeah. first six episodes. Yeah. The Whichever episode had the, the um, kite that was like flying up and down through the episode as kind of like a barometer of her feelings. I can't remember which. Oh, it's I think the, it's episode three. three. It's the three ones. Yeah, the it's like exam going ones. up and down. And it's like down when he comes out like dressed up as her um, with the with the wig, yeah. But then at the end, um, you know, he like says something really thoughtful about the doctor as they send him off on his way, um, and the kite like like loops back up, and it's like, okay, you can like really tell really clearly like wh- what what he thinks of Tomiki. And yeah, I don't think at this point there's any sort of romantic attraction going that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are those moments when he's like getting helping her find her wallet in the pond. Um, at the end where of episode six, where he's like, you know, we've done a good thing. Like Harley, I don't know when he shows, like, like I said before, those like moments of who he genuinely is like, like I'm kind of, I'm kind of into that. So, I mean, I'm like, I'd understand if Haruhi was like, yeah, nice boy. Nice boy. Yeah. I, I think, I think a lot of Oran is about, again, these, these people who have kind of taken on these roles and then kind of try and then Haruhi sort of trying to strip that away and see how much is bullshit and how much is who they actually are. Um, which again, I think the progression in Renge's episode to the twins episode does a really good job of sort of showing that, that, that sort of central theme and thrust of the series. Um, so I think what you're talking about, these moments where uh, Haruhi and Tamaki have these genuine moments with each other is is a part of that for sure. It's so good. It's so beautifully handled. And I actually, I even like the story of episode two, which we've not discussed Oh, at it's all. so cute. Oh. It's adorable. Oh, and it's so, it's so beautifully handled. Mm-hmm. And I remembered episode one really clearly because I've seen that a few times. And I got to episode two and didn't remember anything. And it was just, I mean, they, they've come back to this theme twice now, the idea that you, if you are interested in someone specific, you have to do something specific for them. You can't just be ge- kind of generic, mm-hmm. attractive person. You can't yeah. do generic things. You have to mm-hmm. really focus on them. And that was, in episode two, that was just handled beautifully. And it was really touching. It was genuinely touching. I wasn't expecting yeah. that. And it was It was really romantic. It was just... It, oh, it, was, it was so sincere mm-hmm. in the midst of all this ridiculous clownish like bored rich kid episode like it was I, I was honestly taken aback by it it's it fits in with what we said earlier about how it covers so it manages to balance so many different things well like comedy and also kind of sincerity and also it's aesthetic and also comic timing and so on like it does everything to a high standard it's a complete package <laughs> yeah and yeah. i think what you're talking about is kind of um what i sort of touched on at the beginning and said we'd probably come I'd, I'd wanted to come back to it at some point is um the idea that the host club is sort of this this fantasy non-reality um that people are sort of indulging in but that the series is attempting to sort of establish a boundary between okay well this is a fantasy thing and this is an actual real world thing and so you know everything with renge where she's actually starting to mess with um actual people is perceived as being wrong because it's like well no now you're you're putting these 
these fantastical fictional tropes that, you know, are just supposed to be this goofy fantasy that you can kind of escape to onto actual people. And that's where the problems happen. Um, but then I think with both uh, Kanako in episode two and then uh, Shiro with the piano in episode six, um, the host club sort of recognizes, oh, these feelings are genuine. This isn't just us sort of like playing around in this escapist realm. Um, and they recognize there being a difference there, and they treat those situations differently. I think that's that's kind of what you noted there, and, and why that moment is is so genuinely sweet. They say that their the like mission of the host club is to bring happiness to the girls specifically, mm-hmm. but in those like episodes, I like the sense I get is well, it's that's what they say, but really, a lot of the times it's like they're bringing happiness to everyone, not just to to girls when they do these like really genuine. generous things which I it's just something I really like Mm -hmm. and an obvious point of comparison I was thinking for for Oran is actually Hanayori Dango Boys Over Flowers because you've got this girl who's kind of this fish out of water surrounded by very elite rich silly boys and it's not handled in the same way at all it's so much uh, it is so much warmer I think like Hanayori Dango especially in the earliest chapters or the earliest episodes, depending on which version you've seen, like it's it can be pretty hard going. She's treated very badly. She has a lot to overcome to get to a point where they see her as a person worthy of respect. And how did he gets there very quickly? Um, I mean, respect is a really odd concept in this context because it's it's such a ridiculous show. But they do embrace her. They do like even when even when highlighting things about her as a commoner or as representing the common people like it's always done with this kind of sense of affection mm-hmm. that is completely absent from Hanayori Dango and i it just makes it so much more pleasant to mm-hmm. watch like i'm already looking forward to the next 6 episodes i can't wait yeah. <laughs> to watch them through i rewatched these first 6 episodes before coming to this podcast <laughs> because i just enjoyed it mm-hmm. so much and i only watched them for the first time yesterday Wow. Whoa. <laughs> Jeez. You get through them quickly. Like I I mean I did a kill a kill watch along, right? And that was hard oh. work. <laughs> I set aside an entire day to get through six episodes of Kill the Kill. It was such a struggle. This is a breeze. This is a delight. I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> I ended up marathoning these last night because of uh, work scheduling kind of screwing up my time for watching anime. And this was oh, it no. was a joy. It was the thing. It was I sat down for five episodes, and then I realized, oh, I just watched two and a half hours of anime. <laughs> right. It's like, what? And where do you where do you hope it'll go from here, Alexa? I really want to see more of these genuine moments, and also just, I really want Haruhi to just, like, rebuff the shit out of, sorry, I don't know if we're doing cursing here. Um, <laughs> oh, <it's laughs> okay. yes, we definitely curse here. <laughs> okay, good, good. Um, I really want to see Haruhi just slam Tamaki about his insane fantasies i get that that's like part of his whole character but just the stuff that he thinks about her sometimes is really like it just it feels really weird to me because it's just this total gap between the way that they treat each other and this like weird like it's uh, (laughs) it's hard for me to put this together it's like because haruhi is like basically presenting as male for everyone so much of the time the way that he thinks about her as oh put her in her dress i really want to see her hang out with this girl and grow more feminine it feels really skeevy in a lot of ways for me and Mm -hmm. i really hope that that gets toned down i probably i know it's probably not gonna but 
<laughs> you know, I can dream. Other than that, I really yeah. want to see just more of the interiority of the boys. Like, the twins episode was a serious high point for me. Mm-hmm. And I really want to see more yeah. of those episodes just to learn more about these boys. Because I enjoy most of them, is the thing. So, and like, I even enjoy Tamaki when he's being Tamaki. It's just parts of him, <laughs> parts of him I do not enjoy. Tamaki's my favorite. <laughs> I think he does. <laughs> I think he does have some very um, restrictive ideas about gender. Um, that yeah. which which are which is what's bugging you and Isaac and me too this time around. Like it was the kind of stuff we're watching it the first time. I kind of just went, well, Tamaki's an idiot. Yeah. And this time through, I was like, oh, this is this is also a, this is also like kind of harmful, Tamaki. You should maybe back off on that. Yeah. I'm glad that most of his wishes are not acted on, but also some of them are because he, like, in the sixth episode, got that miniskirt. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, you know. Although by then, by then he's got allies, hasn't he? Because the twins are also interested by this point. That's the thing. They've joined in. I really hope that because of that, this doesn't turn into, like, them all ganging up to try and get Haruhi into, like, weird situations. I suspect it won't. But mm. I could yeah. see the route that they could take to go there in a less, in a less well-produced version of Oron by yes. like a completely different yeah. maker. Like if it were a lazier show, that is totally an option they'd go for for exactly. sure. Exactly, but you know, I don't think they would. Well, next episode this. is a is a pool episode, so I guess you know that's <laughs> oh, like boy. that's like moment of truth, isn't it? <laughs> okay, we'll uh, we'll that, I look forward to the next recording. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Tamaki's my problematic fave. I, I love every <laughs> oh, moment he's on no, screen. Fair. I love his voice actor. He, I, I yeah. think he's hilarious. I think that the, because so much of the comedy kind of centers around Tamaki and his actions, and he's so over the top. And I absolutely love it. I can't get enough of it. But I completely take every point that everyone has made about how, yeah, he is kind of skeevy and kind of awful, and a complete rich idiot, and he's not always very nice to to watch but i just enjoy him so much i can't help it so he is a high point for me um but at the same time i completely everything you said alexis about wanting more interiority wanting more of these kind of quiet moments like absolutely i like i think they've built a really strong foundation on which to really kind of have those moments and it doesn't feel out of place it doesn't feel jarring because comedy does that sometimes where it's it's comedy 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 all of a sudden serious moment yeah. and it feels out of place and i think oran set it up so that actually it could it could hit any of these notes mm-hmm. and it feels cohesive yeah and that's that's incredibly well done for six episodes yeah like if i think it's so accomplished by like episode two the way that that was structured where it was comedy and then it kind of like abrupt shifted into this girl that they were working with and figuring out what's going on between her and the tea guy like <laughs> i forget his name yes. sorry but yes it it uh, his name that is, hard pivot it doesn't matter okay <laughs> that hard pivot into like drama and figuring it out works so well that i've like i trust them with it now so like now it's a thing mm-hmm. i really want to see more of it yes exactly. amelia did that episode help you understand the appeal of childhood friends did you, did you feel it? Did you get it? I did not object to. Oh, well, that's Which I. Is... I can't tell if that's progress or not. I, genuinely, um, I I have a big eye roll reaction to young people proposing to each other. Like this is something that's not new. I just 
Ugh, I'm not impressed by it ever. Whereas in this moment, because it because of the very specific context of young rich kids, I think it it kind of worked. And I didn't. It didn't even occur to me until afterwards. Wait, that was ridiculous. <laughs> and I say this as somebody like one of my favorite films is uh, one of my favorite films has a young couple proposing at the very end i'm not going to say its name actually in case it's a spoiler even though it's like 30 40 years old (laughs) but it's (laughs) you all know what i mean um but even that i roll my eyes hard at that moment and in this episode i did not so that was progress (laughs) but in general childhood friends there's still a way to go for it but yes it's it's a start okay you can you can start you start with the best and go up from there (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she rides in the teacup at the end she's so happy yeah. mm-hmm. the teacup ride it's <laughs> cute yeah it's a really sweet episode i really loved it um in terms of what i want to see next definitely definitely more interiority as we've said definitely more um respect shown to haruki by tamaki would be really nice the two of them connecting is really good really authentic but something much more kind of superficial is the twins mentioned going to Haruhi's house. I really want to see that. Mm-hmm. I really want them to set foot in Haruhi's world and see if the tables turn when they're on Haruhi's turf and she doesn't have to kind of... She's not playing by the host as... rules. Yeah, exactly. I'd love to see that. So I hope we get to see that. I, I really want to see them kind of set, a foot, set foot in Haruhi's world and see what it's like from that side. And I really want Haruhi to kind of stand her ground a little bit more there because she tends to be more passive when she's in the host environment, which makes sense. She's working for the people she's in debt to Mm -hmm. um, in a school where she doesn't fit in and where she's there on kind of by the grace of her good grades and reputation. So she can't, she doesn't have a lot of freedom there to screw up. Whereas if she got these guys out of there, I think it might be quite different. The power dynamic might shift a bit. I'd quite like to see that. So, D. I hope harder he gets to eat fancy tuna. That's what I hope. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. That's exactly it. Perfect. (laughs) Yes, genuinely. I completely forgot this. Like, something missing. Yes, that was it. I want to see Haruhi eat this fancy tuna. They keep teasing it. And I hope they don't save it. Yeah, I hope they don't save it for the very last episode. That would be so sad. (laughs) But it would be so Um, emotional. It would be so emotional. What a climax to the The, series. The real real love story in Oran High. (laughs) 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 i'd watch that (laughs) so dee from our discussion today has anything surprised you or did it go pretty much as you would have expected um the discussion went about the way i thought um the things that sort of surprised me were more things that as i was watching it i was like oh this is stuff that really didn't ping on my radar the first time through um I bet right. we'll discuss that, and then and then and we have we have discussed <laughs> those things. So a lot of the surprises for me came more from watching it because, again, even though I've seen some of these episodes like a dozen times, um, I've not seen the entire show all the way through in a while. Um, so again, ha- looking at it more from a critical perspective, and and you know the the sort of things it it does well, and the things that maybe it doesn't do so well. Um, has led to some surprises with again, like some of the ways that Tamaki acts that I'd never really thought too much about. Um, Again, some of the genre tropes that are used in the show as kind of a joke on, as kind of a commentary on the genre, but are still uncomfortable tropes, as you as you rightfully noted, are definitely uh, points that kind of that kind of uh, surprised me a little bit going in. But I think the conversation went kind of about the way it. I was hoping it would. I'm glad everyone is enjoying it because my biggest concern was like, what if they don't like it? What if it's actually bad? So 
um, I'm, I'm glad you're all having a fun time. I was surprised by how good it is. Like, it, it feels like a genuine high quality series and I wasn't really expecting that. I'd, I would agree with that, honestly. Like, because I came in with no ex- expectations at all. I've heard people talk about Uran in like glowing terms, but it's an anime from 2006. So I was like, yes. okay, how much <laughs> of this is going to be rose colored like glasses? Nostalgia. And, yeah. So yeah. I'm really pleasantly surprised to enjoy it as much as I have, even with like whatever reservations. So it sounds like we're all looking forward to the next six episodes, which is always a great way to end a first watch along, I think. (laughs) Okay, let's wrap it up here for today. We will be back next week. Um, So just a little bit of housekeeping. If you like what we've talked about here, you'd like to find more work like that, please visit animefeminist.com. You can find us on Twitter at Anime Feminist. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash animefem. We have a Tumblr, animefeminist.tumblr.com. And we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash animefeminist. It is how we pay every single writer, editor, and administrator who contributes to the running of Anime Feminist and all the services that we use to keep afloat. So this is where 100% of the money goes. It's all laid out on the Patreon page exactly where the money goes, what it goes towards. So if you can spare a dollar a month to for us to continue our work, patreon.com slash animefeminist, please send it our way. And if you can spare $5 a month, then you get access to our exclusive Anime Feminist Discord server where we can hold conversations like this every day without worrying about giving Feminism 101 lessons to randos on the internet. So thank you so much to Alexis, Isaac, and Dee. We will be back next time with episode 7 to 12 of All Around High School Host Club. Bye.